the founding members of the United States Congress wrote into law the protection of citizens' right to free speech, it would be seen as a great step forward for the fledgling democracy. They could not possibly have foreseen that their ideals would be put to the test not only in the printed word, but within the realm of cyberspace as well. The shifting of political discourse and the dissemination of information from the traditional media outlets into the mostly wide-open forums of social media has taxed the definitions of protected speech greatly. With AI algorithms scraping up your data points, slamming the doors on perceived misinformation and bot activity, and large platforms stumbling attempts to rein in extremists and hate speech, the internet seems to be taking a strange turn from the largely unfettered freedom of its early days. This case file joined the theorists as they discussed the battle of the social media giants, big data, and the ultimate UFO disclosure with the co-founder and CEO of the fast-growing alternative social media site, Minds.com, Bill Ottman. Welcome to Alien Theorist Theorizing. I'm Brayden. I'm Zell. I'm Dan. And I'm Andrew. Oh, and today we're going to welcome to the show co-founder and CEO of Minds.com, Bill Ottman. Thanks for coming on the show. What's up, guys? Great to be here. Thanks for uh, staying up. Maybe your your latest night of the, of, a, of the while, it seems like. So we appreciate it. I'm psyched. All right, man. We... Uh, We've been, we followed you around. We, we heard you on Rogan. And when, uh, I guess it was your PR guy reached out, we couldn't say no. Cause nice. I mean, we're right, uh, we're right in the fight for, you know, you know, virtual digital censorship and freedom of speech, trying to find a balance between the two. And I know you're big into that. So, uh, for people who don't really know you besides the CEO of Minds, let's maybe tell us a little bit about yourself. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, otherwise, I see you got a bass there. I play bass too. Um, oh, right on. We'll have to get more into that later. I studied bass and music in college and wrote a lot of stuff. I was, I actually used to be very like anti tech. I was kind of up in the mountains in Vermont on TVM. And I was just, this was back in, I graduated in 2008. And I was just like disgusted by everybody like checking their phones constantly and I was just not into it at all. I actually I mean and this is very like kind of I'm not proud of this story, but in one time I had my phone ring in the middle of a class and I just broke my phone. I just broke my phone <laughs> in the middle of class and you know, I don't I'm not proud of that because it's like there's so many people around the world that would just love to have a phone so I'm just like this asshole. There's and, no you know, way it was one of those Nokia brick phones. Those are indestructible. Yes. It was We're a Samsung. It was a Samsung Flip. It was one of those gray. Um, it was yeah. It was kind of the smooth gray flip phones. And I just I went over the edge. And but then, <laughs> you know, I basically realized that there's this whole sort of split on the web. You've got big tech, Microsoft, Apple, Facebook. But then there's this whole like cypherpunk sort of 
open source, free speech oriented world with like Linux and Firefox back in the day. Just, you know, the, you had the Tim May sort of uh, crypto anarchy manifesto, the EFF and John Perry Barlow. He wrote this thing called like the Declaration of Independence of Cyberspace. And, you know, he wrote lyrics for the Grateful Dead and was just kind of like this digital renegade dude. And I just got totally into it. And I saw how there's like, you know, the internet is basically like an extension of us. It's not like mm. tech, tech isn't bad. I was kind of brainwashed in a way. And then I was like, this shit's awesome. Let's, let's build a crazy you, emer- you emerged from your Luddite cocoon to <laughs> realize the, the benefits that tech is a tool mostly and how you use it and how it's used is depends on the user. Exactly. And it just so happens that, you know, 95% of people are mindless drones using, you know, the wrong stuff, but that's not necessarily their fault. It's, that's just how stuff is spreading. And, um, yeah. So, and I also found all these correlations and a lot of people in the free software movement have written about this, but just in terms of transparency, like on, on with food, um, you know, the organic food movement and like the idea of caring about what is in your food. I, I, in college, I was obsessed with that. Right. And all into like local farming and all permaculture, all that kind of stuff. And then I started to see the overlap. It's like, oh, okay. Like I don't want to use stuff that is feeding those corporations. Um, so yeah, that basically... I, so that, I dosed myself with that information. So that sent you down, like you're pretty much saying like you want to know what's in your food. So you kind of want to know like how you, you're, it's a digital food, right? We're, mm-hmm. we're consuming it all day, every day in different forms of media. So you decide, you come out of the cocoon and you decide to create, for those who don't know, like Minds is a, I guess a free and open source. Like you present your source code, like a full, and it's like, it's social media, but it's free and open and you're all for free speech and the rest. Yeah, and we actually originally were doing, kind of before we started the company, me and some friends were organizing these forums slash festivals like in IRL. And I was all into event organizing. I did music festivals, like Gathering of the Vibes and in Connecticut, which is a huge festival. Um, and it sort of just peaked in like, I don't know if any of you guys have ever done live events, but it's, it's fun, but it's so hard. Stressful. And yeah. Stressful. And there's weather and, you know, you put like six months of work into putting an yeah. event together. Yeah. I'm, I'm the beneficiary of people like you. I just show up, perform for an hour and off I go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I got burnt out from that, but I love doing it. And we, you know, I do like face-to-face stuff matters to me. And I don't want minds to just be all about people sitting on their phone. And so we're still doing live events. We did a live event a few years ago with uh, Daryl Davis and Tim Poole and a bunch of creators. Um, and we sold it out in Philly. 
and we're going to be doing another one this summer. So like, I really, and I want the app to like help people connect. That's actually the one thing I like about dating apps is that they aren't like the goal is to meet somebody. Right. It's like, it gets you off. Like you use the phone to get off the phone. So I'm, I, I, I think that's... You use the I, app to get off the app. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's simplistic and it works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're on there to meet someone with the same, what you're interested in. And that way you can stop using the app together. Though I did have a friend tell me that during COVID, like everyone's doing video date. Like I'm married now, um, but everyone's doing a video date first. I was like, oh, dude, that's weird. Uh, that's brutal. <laughs> Oh, buddy, Weird. that's the best for me. Shoulders up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'd be batting way above my league. Yeah, yeah. Go do some uh, do some filters. Really. Yeah. 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 Get the get the background. So, Bill, now now that we got you here, you've kind of told people about about what Minds is. It seems to be a more less nefarious version of social media. Can can you? Because we you hear all the time. Like Facebook and the big tech is tracking you. They're selling your data. You don't know where it goes or how you get there. You walk down the street, you walk by a certain store, all of a sudden it knows your GPS location. Next thing you know, you're getting ads for whatever store you just walked by or you know, you, you mentioned something with, with your friends and all of a sudden you're getting ads for something. Like, how, like what's going on there? Like what's happening? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. So, you know, in terms of in terms of the selling your data, it's actually a little bit more nuanced than mo- you know most people just be like, oh, they're selling your data to the highest bidder. It's actually not true. It doesn't make it less malicious. Like Facebook wants maximum control, so right. they aren't just like giving away people's data to like everyone and their mother. Like they don't, but what they are doing is they're selling sort of a shielded access to that data. And um, so they, in, in different ad networks and vendors can basically join their data with Facebook's data in sort of this shielded way so that both parties are happy. Now, Facebook obviously has crazy psychographic profiles about you and they're sharing it with the government. (laughs) So, you know, that's what we learned from Prism and all the Snowden revelations that there's basically back doors or, you know, clearly revolving doors between the government and Facebook. And we learned about that recently with, you know, Jen Psaki saying that, you know, we're basically having, you know, telling social networks to take down studies, you know, COVID misinformation. So we, you know, you know that there's lines of communication with the government in terms of the censorship and in terms of surveillance. So, you know, that's about as malicious as it gets. So whether Facebook is giving it to, uh, you know, some advertiser or not and, and giving like shielded access, it's just as bad. So that's, that is that. And then, you know, in terms of the, Mike stuff, you know, this is like, I'm so interested. There's this article that just came out in Next Web actually called um, Muting Your Mic Reportedly uh, Doesn't Stop Big Tech from Recording Your Audio. Really? And so, (laughs) like, what they're saying is to double mute on your computer. So, like, when you mute on Zoom, like, they can still 
grab your audio. Well, so yeah, because you, yeah, your, your, your audio is going through, it's being processed, and mm-hmm. you're, you're just stopping it from going across. So like, what so you want to do is actually hand. mute both your computer and the app to be, to be more safe. But like there's this whole university study out of, uh, let's see, um, University of Madison, Wisconsin. And they, they like analyzed a bunch of different apps and, you know, to trace audio patterns. And they basically figured out that tons of apps are still grabbing your audio after you mute. And, you know, we know this from, I mean, just the fact that you can activate Google by saying, okay, Google, right. (laughs) Even if it's off. (laughs) Well, the creepiest thing about that too, is that, you know, I remember my parents had one of those. Uh, the little Google Homes or whatever. And then it came, I remember reading an article saying that like, do you know it saves what it records and you can re- find that information through a bunch of hidden channels. And I'd go into it and it, it would have five minute clips of a conversation where Google wasn't even mentioned. And it just recorded <laughs> a, a full five minute audio clip of just people talking that were in the room. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, why? It wasn't even supposed to be activated because no one said, hey, Google. No one said even like, a word close to Google, but it decided to turn itself on and record a five-minute conversation. Like, you're like, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I'm deep in like, I'm trying to install Graphene on my phone right now. It's not easy, um, but it's called Graphene OS. It's basically this like stripped down version of of Android without any Google stuff in it. It's been, it's, you know, I'm not actually like a full stack dev or a developer. Like I'm technical and I'm kind of, a product manager and like building apps, but I'm not actually a programmer myself. So, you know, I would have had graphene on my phone a long time ago, but <clears throat> I'm finally making myself do it. I do run Linux and try to, you know, do things to stop all that stuff from happening. But at the same time, it's just like, I'm not perfect. Like I definitely, you know, look, we're on zoom. You got to do what you got to do. I do think that over time, is you know more apps are going to emerge that make it easier to make the decision to you know not use apps that are screwing with you so right. that's like what it's all about and i think it is starting to happen app by app there's starting to be like an alternative to x y and z so, and yeah sorry i just want to stop you on the on the graphing so that's like it's obviously android it's not an open source is it so Android have, is open source. Android is open source. So if you're technical enough, you can take that. Is this graphing something that you can download it if you're technical enough? You can install it yourself or do you got to know someone? Yeah, you can, you know, I don't know if you've ever installed like Ubuntu or Debian on... <laughs> You know, you're talking it's to the wrong a, crowd. Here. Andrew, here, Andrew here's hey, laughing. Hey, hey, boys! I put in a fucking hard drive myself a couple uh, months ago. Andrew still has a Nokia brick phone. Yeah. <laughs> no, I got my no. I switched my flip phone when I'm not at work. Oh, whoa, whoa! That's good. Keeps me. I get distracted by. It's not that shit. hard. It's you know you have to you know read a doc on one computer and then do it on another computer. It, it's not easy, but. I don't know. I sleep a little bit better and I feel like I'm supporting them. And if I'm going to be, you know, talking about open source, it's like, I have to do what I can to walk the walk and not just feed the beast at the same time. So graphene, I mean, basically Android. So Google created Android. Android has, you know, out of the box has Google's tentacles all throughout it. So even though the core 
part of Android is open source. That's the, that's it's one of the best things Google's actually ever done is create Android, but the, it's just full of surveillance. So if you want a de-Googled version of it, there are people who have basically forked Android and like taken all that stuff out. And, you know, I think in the next five years, there's going to be really sick, um, easily installable OSs for your phone where you can just swap out Google on an Android. The problem, you know, with iPhones, you can't, that's, that's why iPhones suck compared to, um, other phones because you can't, they don't let you install something else. And like in the app store, you can't, you can't install an app on an iPhone outside of the app store. Right. It's, it's totally locked down. That was actually my, I had that on my list of questions. So between, because uh, Apple came out not, not that long ago with the, they claim like the Apple privacy, you can turn off your location services. Is that, how true is that? Like, because they were selling that as like a big feature of the new operating mm-hmm. system. Honestly, it feels like a huge gaslight to me. It's so obnoxious. Like basically, I, you know, I do think it's good in the app store. Like they're not allowing Facebook and Google to, to spy as easily. But the thing is that we really have no idea. And this is the same for all the apps because, because they're not open source, we have no idea what they're actually doing. So Apple is not, you know, they can talk how they want about privacy, but then I believe like recently there was this big scandal because they wanted to backdoor into people's phones to like look for child porn. And then there was, you know, a big uproar about that because they were, they were scanning people's messages looking for child porn. And like, you know, at the end of the day, you do need to kind of make a hardcore philosophical decision on what you believe about end to end encryption. And like, you know, I'm definitely of the camp that, you know, a backdoor into anyone's device makes everybody less safe. Yeah, it sort of sucks that bad people will use encrypted apps, but everyone is more safe when everything is end-to-end encrypted. So, you know, it's not worth giving up your freedom to, you know, let the government go and find some pedophiles. Like, it's just not worth it. It's it's the same, it's the same argument as giving up your freedoms for you know, anything, you know, whatever the issue is, it's just, um, you know, they try to tempt people into it, but it's like, that's, it, it's not the way to go. Like the totalitarian tiptoe, just, just give us a little, a little of this for your safety. Kind of style. Exactly. One, it's an unelected, <laughs> they're just, it's a weird thing where it's, uh, they're not, <laughs> big tech is in this weird bubble where they're have such heavy influence, but they're not, they have no, you know, they don't have to give back to us. They, they make, don't. They, they, make they don't their have own to rules. answer to the people. <laughs> I think that's an important distinction that we have to make about social media sites, like now, being that social media sites is essentially like I don't, I wouldn't necessarily lump them as media. You're more platforms. Is that correct? Like you could be more defined as a platform, a place for people to post things, interact, things like that. Facebook, like they've gotten away with it for a long time, skirting the issue of being like, they're not regulated. The FCC can't step in, you know, they can't, the government can't tell them what to post, what they can really do. And essentially just standing back and be like, we're not responsible for whatever people post on there. We're just an open forum, whatever. And most social media sites kind of take that stance. Well, you would want them to take that stance, but they're starting to take the stance of, you know, 
we're going to take all this stuff down because it's against our, you know, community oh, yeah. guidelines. Well, we and got so, smashed with that, mm. Bill. We got yeah, smashed so with that. We, it's, yeah. we, have a, we had a group that had some pretty good reach uh, uh-huh. with our members and we got shadow banned because uh, we had two strikes where they would remove a post, but they wouldn't show us what was posted or like if it was posted by some uh, member of the group or what, it would just say this post was removed because of content it's just blank violation. And then it's like, you can't, it's like, you click here to view the post. You view the post, there's, mm-hmm. there's no post. Post mm-hmm. unavailable. You're like, well, I, I don't know what it was. And our third strike, uh, <laughs> we got flagged for fake news because someone posted saying, is this what really happens in Canada? And it was someone had bought a, a bulk peanut butter with a saran wrap and it said peanut butter and it was like $5. It's like, this is what people buy in Canada. They buy peanut butter like this. And it was like, that's fake news. And we got flagged wow. for fake news. And the funny thing is, is at Quality Foods up the road, you can buy peanut butter just like that. It's because they said it was a picture that orig- originated from like Trinidad or something. But that's it. So yeah. that was fake because they said, is this from Canada? And that was and it. And that was it. And the group's was, gone. No, it's not gone. Uh, it just instantly flatlined and there was no reach ever again. That was it. Wow. So how many members are in it? It was like four. There's been 4,000. It was like, you know, it was growing five or 7% every month since we started mm-hmm. it. And then it just like eight months ago, just went dark, just flatlined. Yeah. So I funny. Mean, we went through it. Like we, but you know, back early on, we, you know, when we still have the pages, but you know, a few million followers on like a handful of different Facebook pages, you know, back in like 2012, we were driving crazy traffic to mines from Facebook, just posting all kinds of crazy viral videos, like whatever this like acoustic levitation. Oh the shit. Fun, the like, fun stuff. You know, just fun stuff. And yeah. it, you know, it, it was, it was cool. And then reach just across Facebook dropped to like 2% of your followers. You're hitting organically. And then yep. beyond that, the, the algorithm is deciding what it's going to be. And it's just like, and there was, you know, this hit the whole media. It wasn't just targeting the left or right or, you know, alternative media. It was like, even the mainstream media was pissed about this. They were like, uh, (laughs) you know, we just spent millions of dollars building up this page and we can't reach everybody now. Like what people like we paid for these followers and now we can't reach them. And so, yeah, I mean, a ton of companies went out to bit went out of business on when in some of those first major algorithm changes. A lot of media companies, like sites like Upworthy, were just gutted. You know, that's like a good news site. You guys probably heard of them. Yep. You know, they would just kill it on Facebook. Get, get you know every post getting like fifty thousand likes. They're probably driving like a hundred million views a month to their site, making a bunch of money. You know, feeling good about it, investing in it, and then suddenly just go oh bye bye. Gone. You know, there goes your company and Facebook just pulled it. Like that is so unethical and such a betrayal to the whole community. Like regardless of who you are, everyone invested like a decade building up their pages. And then Facebook's just like, Oh no, you know, we're just going to change. We're going to put stuff in people's newsfeed. Like the basic con- con- social contract with social media is I subscribe to you. I get your post. Like that's what it's supposed to be. And if it's not that, then it's, it's not even social media actually. And this is what, you know, to what you were saying before about like publishers versus platforms. I mean, 
they do become more publisher like when they're curating your newsfeed. Like they're just injecting ads and like stuff that you're not even subscribed to that, you know, that you, like on Instagram right now, ha- literally more than half of the stuff in your feed, you're not even subscribed to. Right. And I'm not saying like the, sometimes the algorithm is like crazy good. And you're like, Whoa, like I actually do want to watch that. Yeah. But like <laughs> that doesn't mean that it's cool. And like, so what we do is default chronological, um, because that is the core social contract. Like we will never change that. The, the default feed is chronological. If people want to change it to like a top feed or a trending feed, they can. Right. But I think that that's really important. That's like, that's how it all started, right? Back, even back to like MySpace. Mm-hmm. Your friends post, you see what your friends post in order and, and you carry on about your day. And now it's like, I mean, I remember reading something that's like, so people started posting less on Facebook. So Facebook started recommending groups for you and recommending this post. And, rec- and you're like, so you, yeah, exactly. You don't even know, like you didn't search for it. You weren't interested in it. And now you're onto it. And that kind of brings you to like, I mean, because they obviously are make all their money from advertising. So when a controversial topic comes up, even if you weren't interest, like interested in it to start with, and say you clicked on one post and you you lingered a little too long, all of a sudden now you're getting that you're getting that feed. You're getting those posts more and more and more frequent. Yeah, and you know, I think that those types of recommendation algorithms, I'm not you know, inherently, I, I, to me, the core newsfeed has to be maintained so that you have control over what you're getting in your main newsfeed. In terms of recommendations, like, honestly, as long if, if it's related to what you're following, like, I don't necessarily have a problem with the recommendation feed tailoring to, you know, helping you find good stuff like that's because that's supplementary. It's right. not messing with the basic communication between brands and, or, you know, people and their friends. Now, now what do you think about, because we are in the weird time, we've kind of touched on it, like the social media, as like censorship, you know, like the influence of big tech on like, on pretty much filtering, you know, pretty much and the ability to like sway public opinion. Like it's, it's, this has never happened before where like private, private companies, you know, can dictate what is Oh, I mean, look at what happened to you. Like you got flagged for a picture of peanut butter. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, that is really sick. That's dark, dark dystopian stuff. So you mentioned you mentioned before about the use of algorithms, so artificial intelligence within the social media platform communities, mm-hmm. so different Twitter and, and Facebook, seeing as they have the large user base, millions and millions upon users, like millions of users if not billions. And so your site doesn't use, you You tout like you don't have an AI moderator thing. You don't use artificial intelligence uh, no, to the extent true, they actually. do. Well, to the, to the, the extent they do. The, yeah, like algorithms are not bad. Our algor- like that's like saying math is bad. Right. It doesn't, well, come on, let's all be real. Well, it's hard. <laughs> Man, it's it's hard. hard. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking hard, boys. <laughs> but, you know, AI, machine learning, these are like amazing tools, actually. You can do really cool stuff with them, but it has to be transparent and clear to the user, and the user has to have the ability to control it. So, you know, yeah, I, I think that a lot of people, you know, it's easy to sort of get into an anti-AI 
frame. But you know, AI is going to do so many amazing things to the world. It just has to be. It has to be open source. If it's not open source, it can very quickly get evil. And all of big tech's AI is closed source. So I don't. Yeah. Dude, you got me looking at my phone right now like it's fucking Skynet. Okay, <laughs> after this conversation, we're not far away, man. I'm going to burn this shit. <laughs> it's, but yeah. the thing that really concerns me is like, like I'm a big, I'm a, I'm a sports stooge, so I spend way too much time on Twitter. And I've been noticing now, like they're they're just straight up banning accounts and removing people's platforms completely, right? And the thing that really worries me about that, right, is like you're you're taking away these people's platforms, which in my mind makes me think that they're going to be forcing these people into darker spots where no one, you know, like these darker areas, which could essentially work as like an echo chamber where they're only fucking hearing, you know, they're they're surrounded by their own groups of people where you know normal people can't comment and be like, whoa, man, give your fucking head a shake. This is ridiculous, right? So they're only hearing people, you know, they're hearing that echo and being like, oh yeah, man, fucking right. And then since you don't have these platforms anymore, what else are you going to do? Well, why don't we meet in person? Yeah. How much easier is it to radicalize in fucking person than it is over the internet? Yeah, no, that is an amazing description of, of the flow of events. It's not that complicated either. It's like, that is a totally logical escalation path. And you, I mean, obviously crazy people escalating into extremism and violence are, you know, not mentally well, but you can understand why they feel reinforced in their beliefs and they feel victimized. And then they go off into these other places and, you know, get more insane. So yeah, that, that's literally what's happening. And the, the ridiculous part of it is that their big tech apps are acting like they're, on some sort of moral crusade to stop hate speech and misinformation and create healthier dialogue, but it's all BS. Like they don't have any actual evidence justifying their policy. So we, we, um, we wrote this whole paper called the censorship effect. It's at, um, at minds.com slash change. You can find it. 80 pages. We partnered with multiple PhDs, Daryl Davis. Um, and we just found all the research that shows that censorship accelerates radicalization. And we even tried to steel man the other argument and like, you know, did acknowledge that, you know, radicalization can happen obviously on any app you know, if you get into a little group and you talk to people like, yes, you're going to be influenced by their ideas. But just to what you're saying, if you lose access to people who have different opinions, what's going to happen? Right. You just get forced into it. And the offline thing that you said, so Dr. Nafis Hamed wrote one of the studies that we reference in the paper, and he basically proved that 20%, only 20% of um, cognitively radicalized people um, are online that only 20% of people online who are cognitively, cognitively radicalized escalate into violent extremism. The pe- 80% of the people who are escalating into violent extremism are happy. It's happening offline, right? You know, they are, they are really ready to do crazy shit and are going and meeting up. They don't want to, they know they're being spied on. You know, if you're actually going to do a terrorist plot, you're not going <laughs> to you're not going to do it online. You know that they're watching you. 
So that is what is happening. And so when you see something online that offends you or is, you know, some crazy hate speech or, you know, religious extremism, you like, it's easy to see that and get triggered by it and be like, Oh my God, like I'm scared. I'm gonna have a panic attack. Um, but like that the existence of that speech online is actually arguably good because that person is accessible. They're communicating their ideas. They can potentially get engaged with by people who are different from them. You know, if they're not specifically advocating violence, like it's you, you could decide to rather than to get triggered by it, treat it as more of an opportunity. And that's what Daryl's work teaches us. Anyone who doesn't know Daryl Davis, famous musician, black man who convinced over 200 members of the KKK to leave the KKK. And he did that by befriending them. So like, so this might, this might be me just being a little bit more of a uh, devil's advocate, but what about in the cases of something like people who are just, they're just mouths, they're just mouthpieces or they're in like extreme cases, they're probably bad faith actors. Like they're putting the stuff out there just to shit posting. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so what, like, what is that? Like, or, you know, even we've seen it before, you know, in the, I mean, we've done stuff about the internet research agency back when Russia was still kind of, mm. you know, performing their whole entire right. misinformation campaigns and their bot campaigns. And I mean, they're not the only country or probably state funded or state backed organizations that other countries have. Like, what about those cases? Like, yeah, what, I mean, what look, should be done about those? I, I, I treat what should be allowed on a network similarly to what should be allowed as speech in the was we're a US company. So in the US, we basically we're roughly loose or based on the First Amendment. I don't expect our team and our lawyers, nor any lawyers at any big tech company, to come up with a better content policy than the First Amendment. Like think about how arrogant that is <laughs> to think that you're like couple lawyers that you hired for your app are going to do something that is more effective for discourse than the first amendment, which has been battle tested for centuries and people all over the world would like give their life to be able to come here and utilize that, that policy. So, you know, however, that being said, I just because I think something should be able to exist in some form on a network doesn't mean I think it should be necessarily promoted. Um, And also I think that we should have really clear visualizations and indicators if something is suspicious or is potentially propaganda and lots of different kinds of educational UI indicators to help people learn how to like understand what they're seeing and, and, critically think for themselves and decide if something is propaganda or not, like learn how to research. You can't expect to teach. You're not. So your team, your team flags, your team flags misinformation. Like I, you know, comparing this just off the top of my head to like Facebook, which has been, you know, way before they got kind of, I guess now is a bit draconian where they're just like blocking everything completely, mm-hmm. you know, taking a whole off. I mean, I do see the, the, you know, they do have the tag that be like, this has been flagged as misinformation mm-hmm. or f- independent fact checkers have deemed this to be misinformation and some other sites. Right? Yeah. So it's like, do you, do you institute some kind of policy like that? Or is it you guys just let it fly? We have 
pretty sophisticated filtering tools for like NSFW content and you know different types of controversial content so that you know you have to opt in to those types of content in order to see them you know so that's kind of like layer 1 and in terms of the fact checking stuff this is something that we are building now um but the way that big tech does fact checking is a, is a total joke it's basically they partner with like a dozen think tanks and then those think tanks decide if something is true or false and then that's what it says on the post well and, but and that they is, also flag you and then if you want to get if you're like well hey i don't agree with that you have your 14 days to file your appeal to an oversight board that looks at maybe 18 cases a year. <laughs> and the 18 cases they choose to look at are like a big importance. So what are the odds they're going to look at ATT's peanut butter post to see if we should uh, be on, right? I don't think we're going to see the oversight boards, uh, you know, the recent case decision on the the fake false peanut butter advertisement. We're malicious. Uh, popping up on the peanut oversight board any, yeah. Yeah, anytime soon. <clears throat> so it's like they can, like, they know that. Like, so it's like, there is no recourse for anyone smaller that doesn't have like a big, really big media push or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, has a big following to try to lure that, to get picked by the oversight board to get this, your case reviewed. There is no recourse. You're just, it's just like, oh, you, and it's funny because as you read through it and you're like, it's telling you, yeah, these are the steps. And you go, you're like, well, this is, they're never, are you fucking kidding me? They're never going to, they're never going to look at this. Are you kidding <laughs> <Right>. me? We're <laughs> yeah. just fucked. Like, that's it. I mean, we're, we're looking into building like a visual visualization on posts so that you can see the debate on both sides of the headline. So say there's some, you know, crazy headline about climate change. Um, and everybody's talking about it, then there would be sort of like a hover option on a post and it, you know, you see, okay, this is what the left is saying. This is what the right is saying. This is sort of the bias detection on this. These are the different sources that, you know, you can check out to educate yourself. Not that it's not our business to tell people what to believe or what is true or false. It's our position to give people as many resources as they can to make an informed decision for themselves. And I think that this is where big tech is just taking this, you know, completely backwards. And, you know, propaganda obviously is a problem, but, you know, in the, like propaganda is not illegal. You know, it's not, it's not illegal to also, you know, post a, BS article about acupuncture or chiropractic. Right. Like that's like people have the right to be a moron. That's okay. Yeah. You got, it's, you got yeah, four you of them right All posts about chiropractic. Yeah. You could argue all posts about chiropractics. So, so Billy, pretty much your stance on, you know, censorship as far as, you know, these big companies, because I've listened to other, other interviews you've done in, if it's legal, it should be allowed. Obviously, illegal activity, I mean, it's against the law. So, and they're like, therefore, like, you know, like, like doxing or anything yeah. that could be malicious is illegal and it should be, I mean, that's just, that's against the law. So it should, yeah, I mean, we have a, we have a report flow with all different kinds and we ban people every day. I mean, it's not like we don't, you know, it's just complete chaos. We definitely abide by the law and, you know, look, we're not, we're not alone too. Like this whole debate just went front and center basically in global news. I mean, Elon, I don't know if you guys watched his, his talks recently, but like yeah. 
He's literally saying the exact same thing. He's saying open source the algorithms. Twitter has to be free speech, you know, according to the law. That's it. That's what we need for our public square. That's just, and and that doesn't mean that, you know, there aren't cool tools that we can use to make sure that people aren't absorbing propaganda, you know, Russian propaganda and misinformation. I like people will try to basically straw man you when you take a position on something like free speech and they'll try to say, Oh, you know, you believe in free speech. So therefore you don't care about misinformation, but like, like these things can coexist. Like you can figure out cool technical solutions to battle misinformation Meanwhile, like without destroying people's ability to communicate freely. Yeah, the interesting thing, right. one of the things I was reading about Elon and this hostile takeover is that one of the propositions was that uh, you can pay and verify yourself by showing your identity, whatever, logging your government IDs or whatever, get a blue check mark, and you pay a fee, and boom. Because that way it would, you could still have these fake news bots and these fake news things except it would cost a fortune to run them, right? Because it would mm-hmm. cost you a fortune to verify all these accounts in order to do that, to look real, right? So it's, there's now a- Absolutely, yeah, it's, it's basic. It's the, yeah, so in, in computer science, it's called Sybil resistance. And it's this idea of, you know, you're less likely to get attacked if there is a prohibitive cost for the attacker. So this is pretty much how Bitcoin and Ethereum are designed to prevent attacks. And, you know, you have to, you have to pay for a transaction. And I think that's a totally reason. I mean, the whole, you know, somehow our Twitter got verified, but like the whole Twitter, that's a whole like elitist, you know, (laughs) boys club situation where, you know, a friend of a friend, they're verifying each other. The whole thing is a scam. It's not open to everybody. It's totally subjective. There needs to be like, there needs to be clear definitions on what verification is. Um, Like, yeah, on mine's anybody can, can submit verification. And, um, but then there's different badges that mean different things. So like, I don't think that everybody should have to give a government ID. I mean, the right to anonymity is important. Even the UN, you know, firmly says that for human rights, you need anonymity, particularly because in uh, like war-torn countries and authoritarian countries, like if you speak out against the government and the government knows yeah. that it's you and you do that on the internet, like you're going to jail. So like right. you need anonymity in certain countries. But um, so, but yeah, you could still have a badge like Michael Saylor. I don't know if you know him. He was just on uh, Lex's podcast, Lex Friedman show and was talking about this idea of an orange uh, check mark for it. So you could put up a little Bitcoin collateral. And if you put up and and then if you misbehave, Twitter just takes your collateral. So it's similar to what you're saying. Like you're, you're putting up money. um, And you know, that is a protective mechanism uh, to enforce your behavior. And it makes it so that bots, you know, whoever's running the botnet, just would never have enough money to engineer something in mass. Well, yeah, the mass I, I like that attacks. idea because it's it's creating that accountability, right? Without like, I I remember when the new CEO CEO took over Twitter. Some of his you know his first tweets were basically stating that he's going to be. He looks forward to creating a healthy environment, and it's like 
who the fuck is deciding what the healthy environment is? Right? A bunch of stooges sitting in, you know, Silicon Valley gets to decide what's healthy to be on Twitter. Like that makes no sense to me whatsoever. Yeah, no, the 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 definitions are just being completely contorted. And it was really interesting to see um the only board member, and I think Dorsey is is I think he's still on the board, but he's leaving. And he only has two percent of stock. The rest of the board of Twitter has basically no stock. They like they all have like 0.002% stock. So the board of Twitter has no, they don't even really have financial interest in Twitter. So, but what's their, what's the standing of their shares? Are they, cause you know, some companies have different types of shares that are worth more than other ones. I think like, I think Google kind of has those combos, which are like privileged shares where you have like voting rights and stuff. Like what's the, yeah. What's their, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, they you know they're on the board. Like they have they have power. Um, I'm not saying that they they you know don't have a legal structure that makes sense, but I'm saying that in the like there's going to be some crazy lawsuits that happen if this deal doesn't go through, and it's like we're witnessing really historic stuff with this wild. With this thing right now, yeah. Well, yeah, because with, uh, you know, it's, you know, Musk is arguing that, well, it should be up to shareholders to decide if they want to, because he's making the argument that the board doesn't hold enough shares to veto him buying Twitter at his proposal, which they have. They've been like, no, we're not doing it. And he's like, well, no, it should go to all the shareholders. Mm -hmm. Well, um, and the board has a fiduciary duty to act in the interest of shareholders. Right. And so isn't that what they said to him? Like they offered him, like, we can put you on the board, but you have to become a fiduciary. Like you have to be whole, you have to be beholden to the rule of the same rules that we are. Essentially that would put his standing at risk because like the SEC could technically come after him and whether he's trolling the SEC or not, like that's something else that's people have been saying that it's like, you know, maybe, maybe this is a good thing that he's exposing the weaknesses that some of these big tech companies that are beholden to venture capitalists, like they have a, you know, rich people that got too much money can go in and buy these things and nobody's standing in their way. Cause I mean, the way we're talking about it, it seems that we're putting all the responsibility. It's like the little person versus big tech, but the only the single singular person can only do so much. Like who should enforce these rules? Who should determine, like Andrew said, who should determine like, what is a healthy cyber ecosystem? Like, what is that? And who should enforce the rules or the, you know, the regulations that, I mean, we have, we have stuff that in the United States, we have like OSHA, like we have OSHA that enforces workplace safety regulations. Right. Like, should there be an organization and legislation that should? There already is stuff too. I mean, there's the whole idea of a common carrier and phone companies are subject to this. So like phone companies of a certain size, you know, they can't deny you service because, you know, you're a political radical. Right. So you know, Clarence Thomas, the uh, one of the Supreme Court justices, actually is an advocate of big tech becoming, you know, after they reach like whatever it is, 50 million users or something, that they have to behave as common carriers. I think that that is a, I mean, and that's essentially what Elon is advocating. And that's actually what we do, even though, you know, we've got like 6 million users, like we're a tiny fraction, but like we're sort of doing that on a micro scale because we just believe it's the right thing to do anyway. Um, so, 
Yeah. I mean, look, and it's crazy because Dorsey, you see him speak, like he called out his board for being dysfunctional uh, in a tweet like yesterday, but then he also voted for the poison pill that they just all collectively voted for. So that if, you know, any individual shareholder gets more than 15% stock, then they can dilute um, and, you know, basically make it impossible to, to take over. So you know, it's going to be crazy to see what happens this week. I think <laughs> no he's, probably, he's probably pulling together some billionaire friends and well, Vanguard just ousted him as the leading shareholder. They bought 11%. So there's something, there's something in the works. Something's coming down the pipe. What, what's going to happen? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Well, Vanguard and what is it Vanguard and what's the other one? Black, Black Blackstone Rock. or whatever. Blackrock. Black those Rock, are the yeah. two. Yeah, those equity like those firms are huge. Like here's, oh God, there's yeah. no no a singular person like Musk would not be able to go up against any of them because those those are made up of like thousands, hundreds of thousands of people's like funds all together. Right. Like those the, that are managed by those companies. So it's like there's no way it, like, in hell that like. Musk would have enough equity to like go up against one of those things that manage like retirement funds and, you know, housing, you know, all that, all that kind of stuff that they have all those money. And it's like, he won't be able to, to but whatever I they're going to do, but the battle is important. Like what is happening is important. He's going to be, you know, the, the user base is on his side pretty clearly. Like, I think that you have this, this group of journalists and, you know, a certain sliver of users who are, you know, sort of standing on this high horse acting as if, you know, censorship is better for democracy. Like, honestly, it is, I, I can't wrap my head around their arguments. And this, this is basically the same argument that Twitter themselves are making. And, you know, Parag, um, Agrawal, the, the Twitter CEO made in that, in that statement that you referenced where he was talking about, you know, some weird definition of, of healthy community and they just don't have any data proving that what they are doing with all of the deplatforming is creating a better, more healthy community. Like, like the data shows the opposite. So I'm open to have my mind changed. Honestly, if they can come up with research that is compelling, that proves that what they're doing is actually, you know, making the internet a better place and, you know, like actually facilitating things like de-radicalization and, and, and more healthy discourse. But I, I just, I think it is a complete um, joke. There's just, they don't have evidence and they're, and they're sitting there acting like, oh, you know, this content is causing real world harm. But like, what, what do you mean? Like, I, I have evidence over here showing that actual, you know, violent extremists. I mean, all right, here, here's, here's like a very basic story. The YouTube shooter. I mean, a woman was in, you know, this is like sort of an isolated instant incident, but like a woman was banned from YouTube. She was like this middle Eastern dancing. She had like a dancing channel on YouTube. She got banned. She walked in YouTube headquarters and shot two people. Like this Damn. people have, negative psychological reactions when they feel like, you know, they're getting their voice taken away from them. So, um, that could have been her only platform in her entire life, her only chance to get out there. And it was taken from her. Yeah. Like that's people, it, it, it's, it's personal, 
you know, and, and that's what's scary because we're all building up all these platforms and we don't have any ownership of them. And, you know, that's why crypto I think is really important. That's why we're putting a lot of energy into, into crypto, giving people control over their money, over their identity, over their content. So that like your stuff is your stuff, your, your audience is yours and you can kind of control that. And you're not subject to like, even, even if like something happened with us, like we're trying to basically engineer a system where we're not the risk. Like we put in this whole jury system so that users can appeal if we make a bad decision. And then it goes to a community jury and the jury can, can vote against us. So, because, you know, we're a company like, you know, I'm doing my best to make sure that, you know, we do it the right way. But like at the end of the day, I, I think much more of like a community governed system is, is better in the long run rather than having a company like a gatekeeper. Just yeah. Gatekeeper. Gatekeepers is telling you, Oh, too many people complained about that because it hurt their feelings. Therefore now this is off topic. Well, that's and- the hell situation that Dorsey and Zuckerberg are all in. Like, you know, someone gets banned and then everyone's like yelling at them and like, that, you know, that does, well, we have free speech policy, so that barely ever happens. And, you know, th- and there have been a m- couple mistakes and I'll like personally go and like get them back on, but I don't want to be in that position. I have no interest in like being the determiner of somebody's fate with their communication. Like I want them to have control over their communication. And we're just sort of like facilitating that. I love to hear it. And I mean, we, I think we joined Minds in 2019. Uh, we've been notoriously bad in all social media. So we haven't done a lot. Nice. What's your, uh, what's your username? That's a good question. I think we're just at Alien Theorist at, Theorizing. Yeah, at Alien Theorist Theorizing. I just updated the banner and stuff the other day when we found out that you were coming on and I made a couple posts and kind of poked around, around in there. And it's kind of like, Nice. It, it runs like Facebook when it first came out. Like, you know, it's that's what kind of what it reminded me of. Like, you see all the people you like. You like there was there was no ad. Like, there was no ads on my page. Leaf. I I don't know if you could mm-hmm. buy ads or promote or what. But we're definitely gonna follow up more on it because it's right up our. Alley. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, I just found you. I hate just Facebook uh, and hate Instagram. I'm gonna yeah. I'll, I'll blow you guys up this week and. Uh, I'm about, right. I'm about to send you some tokens too. We've got this. So we've got this whole token reward system where basically you earn every day for your contributions. And then one token is worth a thousand views. So you can use the tokens that you earn to boost your posts for more exposure. And we basically did that in reaction to what we were talking about before about the, the restrictive algorithms. Like we want to help people get their stuff seen. Right. Like, yeah, it's, not- uh, it's karaoke system. Right, yeah. like there's a there's a queue of songs, and you're like, God damn, I want to hear this song, right? Or I'll throw two dollars, and that song will go to the top of the queue. But there's there's still the line of songs that are still coming. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I yeah, and I had a I kind like of question it. about that, like um, just a little bit to get into a little bit deeper about that. Now, like studies studies have shown that the the posts that get the most interaction on most social media sites are posts that evoke strong emotions like outrage. So how, how do you, how do you kind of, uh, how would you say like these, 
how would what would you say to somebody who would say essentially your system might be used to endorse or it would be promoting like rewarding people for posting stuff that is making people really angry or outraged like like normally these things like misinformation or even the fucking videos i hate are the bad diy videos <laughs> that people post are really shitty do-it-yourself videos and you're like this shouldn't take this song why did you do that that's the stupidest thing i've ever seen and then everybody <laughs> posts on that but they did it just to tro- you know people do it intentionally right, i know it's right, like right, right, a right. bunch of videos are like two brothers out of like your <laughs> up or something like that do that do those like what would you say to that like yeah i mean we have this tool that we rolled out a couple months ago called build your algorithm and so you can actually control your recommendations and like there's these sliders so you can say like i you know i want more ideas that i disagree with or less ideas that i disagree with i want more stuff from the left more more stuff from the right or i want you know i have this tolerance to explicit kind like so we're trying to give as granular control over what you're getting as possible. You know, at the end of the day, like also, you know, you subscribe to what you subscribe to. So to a certain degree, I do think that people should have the freedom to curate their own situation. Like, you know, that's what right now, what is happening on Instagram and TikTok and everywhere, they're just they are curating what you are seeing. And yes, they are elevating the more sensational stuff because they know, you know, it's getting X engagement and it's, it's bringing out these certain reactions. And so we're going to elevate that in the feed. And, you know, honestly, things need to be taken on a case by case basis. Like, cause sensate, like if something is sensational, I don't know. There could be something that is amazing and very valuable for humanity that is sensational or that is, um, you know, that makes you mad potentially. I'm not, I'm like, I'm not saying that it's good for people to be mad, but if there's a piece of content like of a missile strike in Ukraine that is like breaking news and that happens to become the top trending video, like, that's what's going on in the world. I mean, mm. are we really like, just because it is creating emotion? I don't know. I mean, I, I, again, I do think that if, if stuff is being like, we are pretty strict against bots and like inauthentic activity. Like there's these accounts from like Nigeria and Turkey and whatnot, these sort of like clusters of users who have like telegram channels and whatnot. And they'll come yeah, all the princes that want to sell us, you know, <laughs> want to transfer money to our, into our accounts. That yeah. hey, is real. hundred thousand real starting. Yeah. That's, that's real. real. You'll be, yeah. you'll be, Hey, you guys won't be laughing when I show you my bank account. It's empty right now, but it's coming. <laughs> coming. Um, no, they basically coordinate and this happens on Instagram too, everywhere you know, these little circles and rings will coordinate this like, Hey, we'll all vote for on each, vote on each other's stuff. And we'll like get huge on social media on mines. You happen to be able to earn crypto for doing that. So we do get some of these communities like trying to engineer this token creation. And we're pretty strict against that. And we are starting to be able to detect it. So with inauthentic engagement and like coordinated activity, like social graphs can show that pretty easily. 
So it's actually shocking to me that Twitter hasn't been able to, to fix a lot of the crypto scams and that they've just ignored. That's one of the things that Elon is, is most pissed about. I mean, so many people have lost so much money from, from that kind of stuff. But, you know, also at the, at the end of the day, I just, I think people need to be educated more in the UI of these apps about like, explain, like explaining to them what misinformation, disinformation even mean? Like, what is propaganda? Like, what should you be on the lookout for? What should you be on the lookout for, for, for crypto scams? Like, don't give your seed phrase to some random person who says that they are the MetaMask support team. Like, <laughs> like Twitter could put something like that into the UI. Right. Like, it, the problem is so bad that it would basically be worth it for them to do that. But, but they're not. So... um I don't know. I, I I really am shocked that not a single big tech company has decided to take more of like a ethical position on on these issues. And yeah, I mean, I hope I hope that the Twitter thing works out. It's um because I don't know. I, I don't see it happening on any other app, to be honest. Yeah. So Stay tuned. It's a wild times in <laughs> the digital universe there. Now, I, I know it's late for you, but we talked about it just a little bit before we started. Thoughts yeah, no on, rush. Thoughts on, thoughts on aliens. Yeah, what do you I think? Mean, I'm, dude, I'm, I'm deep. I've, um, <laughs> I used to be so, so deep and was, you know, I've had conversations with people like Richard Dolan and... Oh, that guy's yeah, awesome. Yep, we've had him he's on. A, he's a nice guy. So we've had Rich on. Oh, yeah. oh, he's a beauty. He's a nice guy. Oh, yeah. Nice guy to talk to. He's a gem. I mean, his books are incredible. You know, he's a legitimate historian. Like, he's not messing around. He's going through the declassified material and, you know, makes is very reserved in the leaps that, he, like, you don't need to make leaps. I mean, it's out there. Right. So, like it, we're, we're at the point where things have become like almost comical. I was, I was mentioning this guy, Christopher Mellon, who was, um, uh, he worked at the, I think to the stars. National, well, he worked for the DNA at, at the national intelligence. And, and he basically just came, he just wrote this op-ed in the Hill called how government overclassification may hide UFO videos and harm our security. And because, you know, so we know after the whole TikTok thing and with like Elizondo and, you know, all- Was he the them, one that said he got handed? He, he he was the one that was handed the videos. Yeah. Is that the same guy? Yeah, I think so. Oh, okay. That's, yeah. That's all right. Yeah. I know the guy. And so basically this, this new group was formed. Remember it was like crammed into the infrastructure bill. There was like a little UFO line item to like create this, this, well, they were uh, just basically restructuring it. They had, it was it ATIP was before. And like, we mm -hmm. found out about that from like 2018. And then this one, they're making the new, like a new kind of, uh, yeah, they had UAP to figure out a new task acronym. force, whatever UAP yeah. task force, I think is its name. And it's going to be under the purview. I think, is it the UAPTF? Yeah. So, so yeah. I'll just read one quick paragraph from this, from this article. It's just insane. So, so yeah, this new group 
sort of, okay, it's an evolution of the old group, exists now. It says, further evidence of this new effort to suddenly classify photographic information, which a formal U.S. Air Force investigation recently determined did not cause any damage to national security, is evident from the UAPTF Security Classification Guide, which appears to classify virtually all data analyzed by the task force. So this new group that they formed is basically like falling back into their into the old ways and you know it was created in the interest of more transparency but for some reason its default is to keep everything classified by default but i highly recommend people watch chris mellon's interviews i mean he is a legitimate insider who was like he i think he worked with elizondo um and he know like you can tell he knows more than he's saying too. <laughs> oh, love it. He, was, yeah. he worked with Tom Delon. He was like their he was their security uh, like consultant or something. There's some title. He has some t- official I think title. There was a falling out. I think there was a falling out with him and and to the stars. That wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I like the fact that he kind of, you know, he alludes to the fact that he knows more and he doesn't tell you, whereas Tom DeLong basically says, well, I tell you more, but I can't. But I know more. I assure you that. Right. That's just a yeah, it's the same thing that Lou does. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. You could argue that's the same thing that Lou Elizondo does. Uh, He's been, I don't know, uh, yeah, watching some of Lou's interviews. Hey, well, at least like they're that. not asking for fifty nine ninety nine like Stephen Greer after they say <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. I'll fill exactly. you in, but you got to download my app. Yeah. Go out to the middle of the desert. Yeah, Greer is funny, man. I mean, he so he's for some reason his episode got censored um on Spotify by, you know, in because there's like 70 episodes of Rogan interviews that are not didn't su- up. Didn't survive the fall. He probably got scooped up. They probably like just scraped it with some basic like guidelines. They had some low some random excuse like, and just be like, yeah. let's pull all these things. This guy mentioned this and like off you go. Yeah, like, you definitely oh. get that kind of shivery feeling from it's like Greer, like you don't necessarily he's not being straight up, but at the same time, like the disclosure project, I mean, come on, that's a legendary event. Like that the was, original yeah. one. Yeah. His OG one from like 99 or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was totally badass. And then you know, serious, Pachet, is, serious is, that was, was a great movie. Yeah. Unreal. I the fact that, you know, this whoever they had narrate that, um, really grasps you in with you're like Greer's going to get shot (laughs) make you feel that at the beginning of that movie you're like he he knows some stuff I mean I to me all of this stuff interrelates or at least I've justified that in in my brain where you know it's freedom of freedom of information to me is like the base level principle like free speech matters, but but ultimately freedom of information is more important because if you don't have access to the information of whatever system you're operating in, then you are in a delusion. Like you cannot even, you're you're not educated to a point that you can even have informed speech. You can like what you are the speech that you have is ignorant speech. So whether you're talking about like the U.S. government and like our ability as citizens to understand what's happening in our country, well, we are uninformed. We they're they're keeping just so much information from us that we are ignorant, and so our speech is sort of like weak. 
And it's the same in the context of, you know, all the secret algorithms on all the big tech apps. Like they have this status quo of everything is secret by default. And so we're just guessing and it's just, it's just nonsense. So like open source, everything is really where, you know, for sure with the government, I mean, I understand corporations would maybe have a little bit more argument to, to, um, you know, keep certain things secret, secret, but like, with the it's publicly funded the whole national security excuse for keeping everything secret is compl- and and that's the other thing that Mellon talks about in this hill article it's that you know the national security excuse is dead because if if national security is the problem then how come with the you know the gimbal footage and tiktok and why wasn't the government saying that those were causing national security what national mm. security problems did the release of those videos cause? right <laughs> yeah well and then to come out and basically say that they're they're legit videos and we like we recognize that we don't know what they are on camera but they're actual real videos taken exactly as they're said and we are like well then shit like national security well obviously these things outpaced us you can listen to interviews with the people that were flying with them they were like they were meeting as a target point they were zero like national security these things obviously exceeded anything we could so at that point why not just be like hey man they're they're here like obviously like we're not stupid you can watch the videos you can listen to the interviews like kevin day was in tears with us when we asked him, we're like well how does it feel that this is because he was vilified for years for coming out and saying this and he like broke down into tears being like, it's cr- it, for so long, I, people thought I was crazy. Ruined my life, guys. It ruined my life. <laughs> and then he's like, it's, it feels so good for them to come out and say this because I, I'm vindicated. Like, yeah. Everything I said is not bullshit. <clears throat> it did happen. I did see those radars. I did report it, right? <laughs> so it's, it, and then you see that and you're like, okay, well, what, what's, what's stopping you from just being like, okay, well, yeah, there, there's these crafts and whether they're a different nation's, or right, I don't think anyone yeah, secret drones. That. No one's no one's yeah. claiming anything. It's it's right? just it's it's foreign technology that is not being, um, you know, is not fully understood. And to your point, the national security threat is not knowing. Like, if anything, the release of the footage showed that there is a national security threat because we don't know what it is and we're not studying it right. in the public effectively enough. So it's, um, yeah, it honestly just seems really dysfunctional. And I, th- I think more of the, I think more of the reasoning behind like not declassifying a lot of the footage that they probably have of other craft or things like that is to actually, you don't want to broadcast, especially in the, the current political climate of the, you know, the world as it is at this point mm-hmm. where there are countries that are actively and, you know, fundamentally against, U.S. ideals and, you know, U.S. and its allies at this point, you know, Russia being one, but you don't want to broadcast the capabilities that you have, much like we had the one thing where Trump tweeted out, a, a he tweeted out that picture of the CIA, like the CIA uh, satellites had taken a picture of something like Mm-hmm. Most governments don't know that we have these satellites and what they're capable of. That these we have satellites up there that are like the size of the Hubble telescope, but instead of you know looking at a planets and galaxies outside of our solar system, they're pointed down at the Earth, and you can determine like 
you know, capabilities are some, some people say it's like, you can find something like within five inches, like you could, that's the resolution. That you, it depends the what you're you talking about. Like if you're, if you're, I mean, Ronald Reagan famously, and you know, many others have, have talked about how disclosure would bring us together as humans, you know, and, and kind of, and, you know, and that's sort of yeah. assuming uh, Independence Day style, one common enemy. Well, <laughs> yeah, we saw. I don't know. We saw how that kind of worked out in the last couple of years. So, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Existential threats don't seem to kind of bring everybody together. Yeah, but like, like, look at the have. reaction to to the Tic Tac videos. I mean, if anything, it was like totally calm, and people were like, "Cool, fascinated, cool." Yeah, what's next? I mean, I don't think that further disclosure of you know more videos is going to like help russia i mean it, it well it, it's just the that we it's it's them showing being like look we have these types of infrared cameras like these type of secret this kind of type top secret technology that we're tracking with. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to show Dan. them that you don't want to release these videos Dan. of being yeah. like we have these on CIA every type Dan, of spectrum hey, there's a before. reason why he's not stateside right he's leaking too many secrets <laughs> oh, i like it i like it how you guys you, you guys mix it up that's that that makes it even better i'm just i'm just this is what i'm positing as a reason as to why they don't declassify a lot of the videos like the tic tac videos those were determined like you know they went up for review and declassification they said yeah those are ours there's nothing in here that would that would disclose any type of abilities or you know i get uh, what you're saying like those, those are our what, what kind of like, those are our I, no, well, I think what he's saying is like the, the, yeah, the like capabilities of the F-18 Hornets that, that were falling. Yeah, the technology see, that they use to track right. these things. Right. That might like, be a reason that they're they actually shooting these oh, things in 5K, but we I'm don't saying. even know 5K exists okay, yet, right? Okay, but the military's yeah. got it, but they're like, we can't let them know we have 5K cameras. They're all going to want new TVs. I see. So you're saying like if they've got some crazy satellite high def. Then that would be that would expose tech that isn't right. If they said like you know we took this picture at five a.m. at da 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 here with this satellite da da da, and we released that information, our you know potential enemies or, or people who are against our country would know that oh this satellite is over this part of the sky at this time. That yeah. you could glean a whole bunch of information right. that probably wasn't release all the blurry photos from the seventies and sixties. Okay, yes. that's <laughs> what I want. All right, we can start there. And we can work our way up to the HD stuff. Yeah, it takes 30 years to declassify <laughs> this stuff. So yeah. it's got to be some shit. Yeah, but, I mean, I feel like that is definitely, you know, that is the rationalization. But the question is, you know, are we ever going to get beyond that? It, like th th there has to come a point where, you know, the, if things shift and there's just a default to transparency on, on the tech. Like, I don't know. I just, um, I think eventually our phones are going to get so good. They're going to be equipped with the IR cameras and everything else. And then there'll just be no questions anymore. <laughs> another, t another 10, 20 years. You can buy a bunch of different. We'll all get our personal satellites. We'll all get our personal Starlink yeah, satellites. Yeah, you throw up your you own know, little task and do whatever you want. So speaking of that, like Elon is actually very skeptical of UFOs. Which is strange. Because he is one. He's the alien. Yeah, he's, he's trying to keep that shit on the But like on I I think it was his last time on Rogan and you know, Joe was really trying to prod him about it. And he wasn't you know, having it. You, you would, yeah, he was not. You guys, did he you watch that? Yeah, he was not having yep. it. He was, and, and but he didn't even know about TikTok. TikTok. He just, he's just like, not interested. Yeah. How? He probably knows about TikTok because he's probably buying no, them. He <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
there's a there's a great. Uh, have you ever read any or heard any lectures from Doctor Michael Masters? No. So he his we had him on the show. We oh, we talk about his theory all the time because we love a it a little too much. Uh, but his his theory <laughs> is that um, all these UFOs are perhaps various future versions of us, time traveling back in time. Um, and then you know as we talk about the cameras and stuff getting better. There could be, we could attribute, like, if you're talking about his theory, we could attribute that to they don't come because they know they're going to be caught interfering. Like, it, as close as we get more and more advanced. Um, so that's why we had huge UFO fluxes in the 40s and 50s and 60s. And, you know, it's seemingly tailed off. Well, you know, that's what they'd like you to think. But um, I always kind of revert to that theory of, uh, very interesting guy. You should look him up mm. sometime. It's he's got good stuff. Yeah, I would not be surprised. I mean, I just, I, yeah. In terms of priorities, it's 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 insane to me that it's not a higher. I mean, the memes that you start seeing of like people seeing the aliens, and then I, I, it's just like, you know, kind of like the NPC, <laughs> and he's just like, oh, like cool, like. I don't care. I like I. It, people don't care. It's it, like it, it, it was it big gets talked about on the on the news for a day. For a day. We're just helpless, so it doesn't matter. It's like what there's really no recourse. The only recourse is to really get deep involved into some of this political stuff with you know these new agencies and really try to. But like no one is going to do that. Like there's only a very select type of person even has the capability to kind of do the research necessary to get involved like in the legal process associated with like FOIA around, you know, the ATIP, new ATIP agency. One, and a lot of time dealing with this kind of stuff is a career suicide, right? Like you get- It was more so before. It seems to be a little more- Loosening up now. now. Yeah, still. Right. But like all of us, you know, yeah, we've ruined our careers doing this show. Yeah, and we're done. It was cool. <laughs> it was cool seeing uh, Harry Reid before he died. Really, like, put himself out there. I don't know if you guys saw any of those videos, but he really, like, he fought hard in in his last couple of years, and he gave some pretty insane interviews. Like, just compelling. Yeah, yeah. And Hillary, like, you know the the you know there's the famous video or photos of uh, Hillary and Podesta walking through that field. And she's holding, like I for, I forget the book, but it's it's a really famous. Um, who's the guy who was like the hypnosis? Um, he was like the Dr. Sprinkles. <laughs> no. That's a real guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they think he's joking. He's a real person. Yeah, but, but then there's like the the Obama, Hillary, and Bill Clinton all getting you know questioned by Jimmy Kimmel. And those, I think, are actually fascinating pieces of footage. Like, body language experts, have, like, and just without body language experts, I mean, just looking at their reactions, honestly, it's weird. You guys know which ones I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about. He asked them, like, you know, what about UFOs? Yeah. And they say, oh, like, Obama's on, like... On the show, yeah, yeah. Like, I can't, you know... No, you but know, watch secret, them closely. Can't tell you. Yeah, but, but watch... watch some tells in there. them closely. Like it's really, I think Obama's reaction is, is super weird. And then Hillary just point blank says like, I tried. Right. And, <laughs> um, yeah. So 
He, like, yeah, he, Obama definitely has a, he has a little bit of a smirk. One of those, he's got a little yeah, smirk. he's got a. Yeah, but he's that, I would say he's that kind of person though. Like he knows what kind of reaction he's going to get. And he thinks, you know, I think he's a much more lighthearted. I mean, he's a fun, he's a fun well, dude. First he joked about it in the, in, yeah. you know, his initial reaction, but then he sort of goes cold and says like, no, but like, I, I can't talk about it. And maybe he was just being deadpan. Honestly, I think I, I, he's that he's, I think he is. Yeah. I, the, see, you watch his, like when he did like the, uh, the, Between the, two the press, yeah. Well, between two friends and he does like the, even when he did his like press, like the, the president roasts and like all of that stuff, he's mm. a, he's a good sport and he's just, he's, he has a really good sense of humor. Yeah. And so I think he could, he could pull that off and be like, that, that I mean, that shit I would do. Like, <laughs> I would be like, yeah, I can't talk about it, but what about, I can't tell you. <laughs> like, you yeah, know, yeah. I would just go no, dead right. in the eyes and be like yeah. thousand yard stare. That would be and Dan and Obama, same guy. But same guy. Not saying that he doesn't <laughs> know something. Like I, I would imagine that any president that gets in there, you know, Trump included, it would have been like, hey, where are the bodies? Where are the aliens? Show me. And then, you know, top generals are be like, don't, don't tell him. Yeah, we've, <laughs> like, yeah for sure. We've talked about him. that before that not necessarily president, even though they're, you know, the the chief, the head, what is it called? They're temp- the temporary. Commander in chief. They're a te- commander in temporary chief. elected position though. They're not. Yeah. You know. Like there's, we, you know, we've talked about there's generals that have been there for like life. Right. And it's yeah. like, they're, they're not just going to give this information to the, even like, the oh, yeah, stuff cool. that goes like, up to like the Senate intelligence committee, like that goes into there, like that through declassification or like even the, well, that's, I think that's where the UAP task force is going to send like their new reports, their annual reports now are going to go to the Senate intelligence committee. Those people have clearances, but not necessarily, they might not have like the, the type of clearances that are like need to know. Like, it's like, if you don't need to know you, we, we're not going to tell you there's like, 20 people that need to know about this and that to work with this information and you're not one of them. And we're not going to tell you about it because it would put you at risk or national security at risk, whatever. I don't know. But I would think it would be something like that. One day Dan's going to spill his CIA secrets and tell us all about it. But until then, we're kind of in the dark here. Uh, Bill, just before we let you go, if people want to make the leap, get off the big tech ones, get off Instagram, Facebook, you know, all those social medias, it's a free. It's free to sign up. It's just minds.com and free account and all that. Yeah, or you can get the apps um, on on the app stores. You also don't. You know, I actually don't push for the cold turkey approach. Um, it's it's a little bit too much. People go into withdrawal and then they start hemorrhaging on the floor if they you know aren't able to <laughs> it's a supplement. Check their supplement first. So, yeah, supplement. You know, ease into it. You know, uh, supporting alternatives is, you know, it's going to be a dystopian future if we don't. So, you know, I, you know, I'm not even just, it's not just all about minds. Like I'm trying all of the other options today. I tried this, this cool one called Capsule uh, Social, which is like pretty fully decentralized, but they're not, they're not fully open to the public yet, but it's pretty cool. Like I'm constantly trying to find other alternatives that we can integrate with and, you know, make ourselves more decentralized. So, um, yeah, hit me up. Um, I'm at Otman O-T-T-M-A-N on mine. Hit me up. Thanks guys for having me. This is awesome. Um, look forward to talking more. All right. We're going to take a short break, say goodbye to Bill and we'll be right back. And we're back. We're back. Bill Otman. Beauty. Yeah. He's a, Billy he's a, um, he's younger than us and he's a CEO. <laughs> Puts us to shame. So. Hey, you know what? We're CEOs. We're, C- we're co-CEOs of a, yeah. a small four-person sub yes. six-figure company. <laughs> not about no, quantity. It's about quality. Yeah. It's not about yeah. quantity. It's about quality. 
Yes, that's true. <laughs> but he makes a, I mean, on same like chain of thought as me, as far as like the censorship stuff. I mean, the ability to that for them just like pull and block people because they don't agree with what they're saying is like, it's a slippery slope, you know, like free speech, like. I don't agree with what you say, but I die if you're right to defend it kind of thing is like, kind of like, nah, fuck you. We're just good. I don't like what you say and you're dead. Your business that you, all the money is thousands of dollars of advertising and building your followers. You're done. See ya. Bye. Well, and it's like, and then it's like, oh, you want to, you want to do an ad? Well, if you pay X amount, we will give you the reach for two days that you used to have organically. Yeah. It's uh, a, right. I mean, they're trying to make money. I mean, that's the way it goes, I guess. But I can't wait to see it crash and burn, man. No, hey, that's coming. I think. I mean, just like MySpace, just sits there, just like, like, oh, yeah. The, can the you kings. still go on to Facebook accounts? I don't know, though, man. It's it, it's got its tentacles into everything now. Like, how many new websites or whatever do you try to sign up with? And it's like logging through Facebook, logging through this. Like, it's fucking. Well, that's that. I don't know. Yeah, they're boys. they're in all. Yeah, sign up. Sign they're up with Google. Now. Sign up with Facebook. Yeah. The, the only the, the only thing that bugs me about these kinds of conversations is always being like it, it's always the little guy it's always like the personal battle between you and big tech like and then what's well, everyone tech like it's everyone's battle against I, big tech I, right but what i'm saying is like who's gonna enforce who's gonna who should keep them you know who watches the watchers like who's gonna enforce these regular like we want all these things we want transparency you have you see some states like Cal, is it california and like washington state recently some places that are like they're they're telling big tech companies like if you want people's data you have to pay for it you know and like they're you're, they're starting to institute a lot of these legislation and, and pay me rules for it, and regulations my and data Right. That's what they're saying. That they yeah. that you should get paid for that. And that's why a lot of those places like now, like especially in California, I think they have to like they have to ask you and you can opt out of like data collection. Like Dude, a lot of those websites that now you see those Facebook things that say like you can opt check. out of cookies, that is a result that's like a direct yeah, result it, of legislation that has been come as, out. as we're just talking about and it's been brought many times by many people, when you opt out of that stuff, you're not, it's never a full opt out. No chance that they're like, um, I opt out of cookies and then you, there's just no cookies. It's impossible. Right. And so it's like, but then it's like down to accountability. Like who should call, hold them accountable? Like if you really wanted to get into it and be like, you know, I want to, you know, I want to file a lawsuit against you because you didn't, you say you're doing it, but you're not really doing it. So who should enforce those rules? Yeah, that's, who should be? Well, hey, listen, we got. It can't just be us. us. It can't just be no, like, hey, it's your force. responsibility. Like just the small person, you know. We need, so we need social media cops. Should the should the government have like a special body that does these kinds of things? When you know, I think it is a, is part of it is our government doesn't really understand how a lot of social media works. Like, <laughs> yeah, Dan, I get what you're saying, but why do we? Why can't like he's saying more of a community minded like appeal process? Because it depends on, which is fine. Like I'm saying, that's that's all fine. But who's going to tell them? There's no like, way you're going to be able to right now. If there's ten thousand like, people a day worldwide being banned for is what that is that scalable though? Like that kind of community set. Like when you have ten million users, yeah, is that kind of community was, thing? When they started social media, was it scalable to reach the entire world? They did no idea. They're like, this is for college kids to. But do you want to do the same thing at, over again? Because now that just sounds like you're starting at the beginning, and then you're just gonna. No, it's just, just gonna happen. I'm again. saying there obviously needs to be change, and many people agree that there's got. Yeah, there needs some. Yeah, what's the? I don't know, Dan. I wish I could tell you the answer there. 
Well, that's what I'm saying is like, I would argue that there needs to be, especially in the United States, our government is run by a bunch of 80% of them don't know how to fucking log into Twitter or know what Twitter is. Like, you know, don't know how well, to set was, their phones on fucking Yeah, there silent. was that like, like uh, <laughs> when they were doing those committees and then they were asking some of the, they were asking some of like the senators and stuff to explain yeah, social media and they were just like, morons. and they had no fucking idea, You're but they the were trying to sit the there Hold on, Dan. and ask questions <laughs> and they had, they had no idea. They just had no idea. And I think there's a weird disconnect between lawmakers and social media because 100%. it's a different era different era that doesn't fucking use it. You know, you got yeah. a fucking 70 year old politician, right? Who's, who's got a staffer that runs his social media account. He doesn't fucking know what he's doing. Yeah. You think, you right? think fucking Ted Cruz knows what TikTok hey, listen, is the size, old, what his fucking that old daughters are posting. That old how to navigate his way around fucking you porn. You can figure <laughs> it out. <laughs> yeah. But as, as far as all this stuff goes, I mean, yeah, it's one thing to say, oh, they're too big to fail. I don't think that's true. I think if some just like any type of business, it's a better model comes along that's more fair and people like it better. Oh, we'll, There's no we'll way that, fail. even if Facebook never goes away completely, like having a massive chunk of market share being, not just by like, say not just by mines, but like by a dozen smaller companies and they all kind of work together and it's like a, a different version. And if you choose not to use Bye. Facebook, but you can accomplish everything you wanted to do on these smaller networks, then there's no reason that can't happen. And honestly, honestly, if... If you like, just look at history. If Zellers can fail, any big company <laughs> can, can fail. fail. Absolutely. <laughs> Listen, they had the the lowest price. It was the law. It was the law, and it didn't work out. Like, come on, Dan. How can you not proof. be successful when the lowest price is it's the literally law. the law? The lowest the law. price is the law. It's the law, and you fail yeah. as a company. They had a great how? jingle. Right? Makes no sense. Bulletproof. Bulletproof. Yeah. Bulletproof business model. Yeah. Nothing makes sense. Anyways, I if, guess maybe they didn't have enough sales. They didn't make enough profit. You know what? Better businesses came along that did the same thing, and that's what yeah. happened to Zellers. Well, it's like Sears, right? Sears crashed and crumbled to Amazon, Blockbuster to Netflix, right? It's, it's better comes along. We're going to see these things come come and go, and we're going to see bigger and better things. I think uh, so. I take think over. Just, uh, I, I think these are periods in times. Yeah, exactly. Where these of, of companies are going to get worse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. going to get a lot worse. Get worse. A lot worse before it gets now? better. Skynet's yeah. coming. Yeah. Anyways, let us know what you think of our conversation with Bill. I mean, obviously, that's yeah. This is a major topic just in the world in general, in all aspects of every of everyday life. It's like affecting everyone, and and pretty much everyone now is on social media. And yeah, it's a weird time. So let us know. <laughs> let us know. Facebook, Instagram, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anywhere you can Twitter. find us, or <laughs> let us know on Minds. Yeah, go minds. to headtominds.com, yeah. make an account, and follow your boys, Alien Mind Theorists. us on Minds. Uh, theorizing. We're yeah, going to be we're posting a lot more there. Um, we've been lazy. To be honest, I didn't well, even like know we what said it was before, for a Social media is a tool. It depends on how you use it. This is true. Yeah, and we're, yeah. And we're it also, tools. It also uses you. So it's hard for us. We're the to, tools. Yeah, we're the tools. So uh, I, I will be posting tools. more on mine. So it's, because uh, I, I fucking hate Facebook now. Ever since the, the yeah, the absolute, we got melted down. What can you do? Yeah. Hey. Well, and then the worst part is I'm like, the review process is like, like I said, it's you have to go to the fucking There's, oversight board. We'll never that, get reviewed. We'll have to restart it. We'd have to restart a whole new page. Yeah. It's not worth it. Right. It's, just, it's not like they're not going to review it because we're not big enough. We don't hold any kind of public sway. So they don't give no. a fuck. They only do 18 cases a year. And I'm like, what? Yeah. I was like, why is it telling me uh, the co runner of a page, Alien Theorist Theorizing, who's trying to get them to review a peanut butter post that they flagged for f fake news 
to say that, well, it's not really. It was like, it was a joke post. Like the post is funny. If you read the, in the context of the tagline and it was a joke, it wasn't someone's being like, ah, you look what they're look, doing the here. Is, but you, you I, th- technically I, can. I really have a feeling that it was like scraped up by their AI, like the early days when they deployed like that AI to That's like a, kind of yeah, start sure, picking up this sure. information. Like, like, right. And I, and I, under, and I understand it. the, yeah. Yeah, right? there's I know, no that's recourse. Bullshit. Like, I right? do agree with that, but I'm just saying that that's probably what happened. And I'm like, if that post gets taken down, if that post gets appealed by another bigger one, then we should be rolled into that. Is what I think should happen. Like, if that <laughs> if, if that could, post if gets verified else. or something, we can, <laughs> 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 if somebody else got it on that, then we should be able to. Hey, that if you or anyone you know has been banned, yeah. by, <laughs> has been banned by a fake peanut butter post, please call one eight three three seven zero three zero four two four and let us know. We will file our class action lawsuit. <laughs> <laughs> to the oversight you board. may be entitled to damages and compensation <laughs> anyways oh, the whole social media thing everyone knows it's fucked but you're tra- we're in the trap it's hard to break away so uh, pay attention to what Bill's doing and you know keep our keep our eyes on it check it out hey if you want to go on a, on an app uh, and to follow our stuff like I said I'm going to be posting on there just as much so if you're a person that doesn't like to be tracked and you want to uh, look at uh, weird and aliens control and stuff over your and weird, um, you know, fake peanut butter posts. You can check out our Minds. See if you can page. get a slider that can say more aliens, like more, like less yeah. aliens, more aliens. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll just make <laughs> one that says that, and I'll put it on the bottom <laughs> of our page. <laughs> um, do you want me to do theory of the week? Yeah, I do. All right, theory of the week. We said it. Um, we, we did a call to action and we got some responses. Uh, we need those five-star reviews. If you're listening to the show, you've never given us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, do it. It helps the show tremendously. Uh, for a while there, we were only receiving one-star reviews for a while. Not <laughs> that we were getting lots, but those were the only ones coming in. Um, you know, it's an easy thing to forget, but it helps us tremendously. So the theorite of the week this week gave us a five-star review and they took the time to write a little nice thing. So theorite of the week is D-Ball 79. Um, D-Ball and they 79. Wrote, they give us a five-star review and they said, fascinating and fun. These guys are fantastic. Andrew, all capitals, Dan, Zell, and Braden are an awesome group of boys that like to kick back, have some brews, and discuss conspiracy theories, strange happenings, and some like true crime. Uh, want a podcast that will have you laughing and spinning theories of your own? Well, it's a boot time. You check out these <laughs> fellows out, eh? eh? Uh, and that's from D-Ball79. D-Ball? D-Ball79. You're the theorite of the week. Juiced out. Hey, you'll, uh, you'll never understand how much we're talking about algorithms Algorithms today. Those five-star reviews, they they pump you. If you start getting them, it, that's what whew. happens. We appreciate it's it. They're pumping. So, uh, yeah, if you if you want to be theorite of the week, you write a good one. Because those ones pop to us. Like, they, they we get sent all our reviews so when we you know there's always ones that's like hey thumbs up good work hey i love the show but when someone takes a nice you you know you you're going through the five stars and you see a little brick message i always take the time to stop and read them because i'm like oh you know it's i want to see what that person had to write they wrote a nice long one and only 90 percent of the time they make fun of us so (laughs) that's kind of a bonus actually it's makes it a little funnier so feel free if it's Uh, five star just say whatever you want (laughs) <laughs> and and to be honest, if you want to, if 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 you do a nice heartfelt one, we read it on the show. Your theory of the week. Hell yeah! If you're not supporting the show, like every Suck week, suck it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know where to go by now. AlienTheorist.com. Find the link for the Patreon, the Supercast, 
early access. One week early now, switching it up. So if you listen to the case file, you could have heard it a week earlier on Patreon. This week's newest supporters, Foxy Mulder. It's a great name. Sexual. I don't know if I said that right at all. Will Chambers. Compose Mentix. I always feel like someone's trying to fuck with me with these. Henry Witherspoon. DJ Ross. Matthew. Ari Sweden and a full year pledge by Joey Jojo Smalo. Thank you very much for supporting the show. Joey Jojo Smalo. Joey Jojo Smalo. Yeah. And as we as we say, always say at the end of these things, keep those <laughs> eyes on the skies. In after hours.